0: It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year, 2022... Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season. Subscribe, like and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you.
1: But I'm looking forward to seeing how we go in Belgrade in our tournament and then obviously the World Cup. Like you said, just to have it in in Sydney is is huge. It's massive. It's, you know, oz 94 was the last time and I know being part of that then, I felt like it really put the game on the map.
0: In this episode, Australian basketball legend Michelle Timms takes us through the FIBA Women's World Cup qualifiers and Australia's pool with Serbia, Korea and Brazil. We also get into the Opal squad and the importance that the WNBL season should play in showcasing the real deal. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze, joining my co-host Jacinta Govind and I, it's a very special guest, Michelle Timms. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Very excited to have the big chat today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A lot to talk about and we're talking World Cup qualifiers, Mm -hmm. Opals and a whole lot more.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. So much hoop on at the moment right across the world and so much to chat about. you have to tell me to shut up at Sages, I think.
2: <laughs> absolutely not. We definitely oh, won't be doing that.
0: Absolutely not. Anyway, um, after that uh, tribute that we shot with you for... Stelly. Snelly, that's right. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm not even, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to let you go. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Okay. So first of all, let, let's get into the whole idea of the World Cup qualifiers. We've got 16 teams going into, we're definitely in, that's us in the US. Looking at the rest of them, there's an oh. interesting mix. What's your take on it?
1: Well, it is, you know, I spent a bit of time having a look over the, uh, what's been happening around the world Of late as all the all the European teams especially are playing European Cup qualifiers for two thousand and twenty-three and all different sort of competitions have been going on, which has resulted in how these teams have got there. So for example, you know, Australia played in the Asia Cup and then there's the America's Cup, which you know had Puerto Rico and Brazil and USA and Canada, and from there, I think it was the top three got to go through. And so each each part of the world europe have their euro cup and the winners go through to play in this what we have now that you just mentioned the you know the final 16 of which we have to have 10 teams go through who will join australia and usa and quite differently australia and usa are actually going to be at these tournaments in february in 2022 normally they just wouldn't even have to bother going through to play that tournament. But the, the rules have changed and now they go and attend the tournament. So it's going to be super interesting to see how they go. There's been a lot of movement, a lot of changes around the world in their teams. You know, you've got France who won the bronze at the Olympics, who so have got a new coach. And um, you've got Serbia who I absolutely love Serbia. I love the way they play the game. They're crazy. They're they're so full on. And, you know, they were disappointed about what happened at the, probably not meddling at the the Olympics. You know, they've lost Vasic and Brooks, who are, you know, they're big, two massive names. I mean, Vasic was the MVP at the most recent Euro Cup qualifiers and just a huge part of that team. So they're going into this tournament with a, a new look as of the Opals, as we know with Liz Cambridge not being available for this tournament. And it's, uh, you know, we've got an Australian team that really is is all about, you know, I'm just saying we shouldn't expect too much of this team, even at this tournament, possibly not the World Cup yet, as we we go through a major rebuild. And I think that's the way we need to look at the Opals in the lead up to Paris as a huge rebuild, a wonderful opportunity for the likes of Shiloh Hill, and some other young players, Nicholson, who who get to, oh, well, she's not so young, but get their first chance of uh, hopefully being on the world stage in a major international tournament. I think Shola Heel's the one that was unlucky, who missed the Olympics. Hopefully that's, you know, that's not going to cost us a little bit as she most likely steps onto the stage at the World Cup for a first ever major tournament. Hopefully she'll have this tournament in Serbia in the qualifications to, to get some experience under her belt. But it's an exciting time for the Opals because we are going to see a rebirth, I think, of the Opals and a huge rebuild and some youth get injected into that team as we see a lot of old faces either play one more World Cup possibly or not. So it's not going to be an easy road for the Opals over the next, you know, I say four to six years as we rebuild because yeah. it's going to take a little bit of time to rebuild without big liz in the program you know we have to find out who we are again
0: yeah but i think one of the good things about the rebuild of the opals based off the 24 that were released earlier this week is that there's a really good mix of young upcoming talent and that core of veterans yeah so you can start to build effectively you know, a pipeline of talent that's going to be able to play through, not only through the World Cup and into Paris, but going forward from there
1: Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You know, and I think that that um I'll be really keen to see how many of the old group, how much of a rebuild it's going to be, how many of the oldies we keep um, to help guide the, the young kids along and, and mentor them if you like, so they're ready to hand over the reins to them come Paris and so on and so on, you know, because... Like if you look at the likes of General Hay and you know, will she go to Paris? You know, it's not so far away, but will she go to the World Cup? You would expect so, but will she go the next the next step, the next couple of years? So it's gonna be really interesting to to follow the journey of the opals over the next four years, at least, as we see that transition from the old to the young take place. But it's really exciting, like if you watch the uh the Asia Cup with the likes of Jade Melbourne and Christy Wallace and, that you know, just the brand they played, the style they played. I think everyone everyone who watched it fell in love and thought, this is who we need to be. This is what Mm. we need to get back to, this style of, you know, never-say-die attitude, dive on the loose ball, hustle in D, put enormous pressure on the ball, you know. That's where we need to go back to, and I think we got away from that a little bit.
2: Yeah I'm really glad that you gave such a great description of the prospective planning that you have to consider when you have a national team and you've got the you know routine scheduled Olympics and World Cups and qualifiers and things because now you talk about it in hindsight like our most recent Olympics it was not the outcome that we were expecting or hoping for with the talented team that we have and a lot of people at the time were saying oh we should have brought in some younger people but in my mind, and I think Paul and I have talked about it too. It probably was that little bit too soon to bring some of the youngsters in on that world stage so quickly, considering the limited preparation time that the Opals of the Tokyo team had and the coaching staff had. So now I'm really glad the way that you've described that planning for the future um, makes a lot more sense. Hopefully, it will make a lot more sense and be a lot more reassuring for some of our listeners and other Opals fans too. But yeah, that Asia Cup was very exciting. If it was a, a perfect glimpse of what talent we have to come and if we can integrate some of the current squad members with the upcoming squad members, we look like we'd be in good shape.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think you make some really good points there. You know, I think one in regards to um, the amount of time the team has together, I think we need to have a good look at that and we need to change that. You know, this is just my personal opinion and, and it is tricky with players playing overseas and that. Look, oh, I would love to see us and I'm so old school, it's not funny. Look, hand on heart, I'm going to be half that old school because I know that formula worked and you know what, we played professionally overseas and made that mix work because we were dedicated to the program, you know, and I just feel like there probably needs to be, you know, more camps in Australia, go back to the old school <laughs> style of having Like we used to have camps during the WNBL season and it was just something that you lived with. You just said your coaches had to be flexible and you knew that you'd go into camp for, you might finish a game on Sunday, fly in Sunday night to Canberra and have a camp Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then go back to your team Thursday or Wednesday night, go back to your team and then play on you ghost So I'd like to see a few more camps on shore and that might help our preparation a little bit. It's always tough to leave your preparation up to your assistant coaches too. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Sandy's involvement with the Opals in regards to how much time she can put into the Opals um, and where that can be held. whether it's on shore now that she's not with Phoenix and maybe she can come out here. And, you know, there's been a lot of chatter since uh Sandy's not at Phoenix anymore there's been a lot of chatter about her coming back and hopefully coaching in the WNBL and being able to spend more time here but that's a huge decision for Sandy and BA to have to make what direction they head you know Sandy's got a young family she's got a house in Phoenix and her husband's over there so there's a lot of unknown as to to what would happen but in the perfect world it'd be great to have Sandy back here coaching in the WNBL and like I say, being able to um, really put an imprint on that Opal squad, which she probably didn't get enough time for, like you mentioned, in the lead up to Tokyo.
0: Do you think that this tournament coming up for the qualifiers is going to be really a great opportunity for Sandy and the team to be able to try a whole lot of different approaches to the game? given the number of different teams that they'll be playing. So, that, I mean, you know, Australia's in the same pool as Korea, Serbia and Brazil, who yeah. play different styles. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? You think that's oh, it's fantastic.
1: It's great. And also, they won't just rock over there and play that tournament. They'll be playing a lot of games, I would expect. I haven't seen their schedule, but I would expect they'd play a lot of games, you know, in the lead up, you know, three, four games, you'd hope before that tournament, if the schedule fits. And that means that WNBL teams are releasing their players to go over there early, but that's just the way it is. You know, our focus has to be on the rebuild and, you know, getting the Opals back on the international stage up the top end again. This is just a fantastic opportunity to start that, I'm going to keep saying rebuild because I really believe that's what it needs to be. And that's what we'll see, hopefully, um, that youth coming in, the blend but they'll look, they're playing against some just fantastic teams. Like Serbia, they had a huge upset um, defeating China in the quarterfinals at the Olympics. And Mm. then they, you know, they beat Canada, they beat Spain, they, um, they just won the Euro Cup 21 against France, you know, so this is an exciting team to be in our pool, who, however, will also be in a little bit of a rebuild, because as I said, they've, Vasic has just retired, or I believe she has. And Brooks, another big, has retired. They've got some good junior players coming through as well. They'll be in a bit of a rebuild as well, I would expect. They're Super Bowl coached. I really like, can't remember her name off the top of my hat right now. But they're going to be intriguing to see what they put on the floor. I see, you know, Serbia and Australia being the one and two of their pool. Korea is interesting, you know, they really just rely on four players. And I think if you get Korea at the end of the tournament, it's a lot better than at the start, which is a little bit like Brazil too. Brazil are renowned for running out of legs, you know, they play with a lot of motion. But getting back to Korea, I really think late in a tournament they struggle. They play Serbia, then they have a day off and then they play Brazil and then they play Australia after that. So I think that sort of suits Korea with the day off in between because they rely on so few players. But it's a toss-up for me between Brazil and Korea to see which one doesn't go through. I love Brazil, though. They're, they're gung-ho. They're very, they've always been a high-octane, high-emotional team that, you know, I don't like using this word, but sometimes a bit of front-runners, you know, when things are going yeah. great. They're up and running and fist-pumping, you know, um, shooting <laughs> the three. They've got a really nice blend of some youth and experience in Erica and um, the Santos are a really good player as well so but I think Australia and Serbia sh- should be a little a little bit ahead of them even though we're both probably looking at a slight rebuild
2: I think yeah. what um, Australia have up there uh, to their biggest advantage is that like you said going through a rebuild phase got a very strong 24 person squad heading into the qualifier but the thing is we've automatically qualified for the World Cup so depending on who they take, what combinations they want to run, what they want to try out in that qualifying tournament in Feb, they don't have anything to lose because we've already got a spot at the World Cup.
1: Yeah, that's true, but you still want to go over there and put fear into the opposition. Anytime you step onto the court, you know, you want to make sure you're posting something in the back of their mind. So having said that, you're right, they're free to play, but they're also going over there to win their pool. Make no mistake, no matter what team we take over there, they'll still be thirsty for the win and, and wanting to ravage teams. So on one hand, it's not pressure, but it is pressure. It's pressure for those players going over there, especially because they're fighting for a spot. So, um, yeah.
0: I think one of the things that for me that's really interesting was when I was looking at this pool of 16 and looking at the Nike power rankings, which we were talking about just before this we started recording, yeah. um, I don't know. I. <laughs> I disagree with some of the the choices that the power ranking has because I see China being way up there. Japan's a huge threat. We saw that at the Olympics. Um, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico was interesting at the Olympics as well for me because even though, look, to be honest, it didn't look to me like they were gelling particularly well as a team. When they did get it all together, they were a really surprised package.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I watched them play the Americas um, before the the Olympics and, they really surprised me. You know, they have a really good blend of youth and experience and, and uh, some of their players are at the back end of their career, I'd say, but you're right. When they had that mix of running game and and, and shooting the three, they looked really, like, I, I know I shouldn't have been, but I was a little nervous for teams coming up against them, thinking, well, they're not going to be such an easy beat as you think. But you know what? They're in a very difficult pool in Washington, D.C. So they're against Russia, USA... And Belgium and
0: Belgium yeah and
1: um you know Belgium are just class they're just they're great I love Belgium and USA USA and Russia I think are on the move I think they've got some exciting Juniors coming through so you know I, I don't expect Puerto Rico yeah. to qualify like you know I, I think that they're hmm. the team in that pool that won't get through yeah you know Belgium although I think it was Belgium who um just recently because right it's funny because and this is the advantage that the European teams have. They get to play so many games, you know. Like, yeah. at the moment, they're um, playing the Euro Cup 2023 qualifiers against each other. And, you know, Bosnia, Herzegovina, they defeated Belgium most recently. Like, I'm talking two weeks ago, and that's a huge upset right there. But, you know, Bosnia is really coming up on this world stage as well. You know, they've they've got Jaquel Jones from the WNBA who's just – you know she's in yeah, one of the best players in that WNBA, and she had 44 points. and And we know better than anyone how much a difference one awesome player can make um, mm-hmm. to a team. It's interesting. The whole Europe is interesting at the moment. How you know teams are getting beaten, and you know France lost to Ukraine recently at the 2023 Euro Cup qualifiers as well. Yagapova had uh, her way with France, and so France had a loss. They've got a new coach as well. It's really interesting. I'm really keen to see, you know, who rolls out at the World Cup and how they all end up and who goes through. But I kind of have four teams who I think that I've picked of not going through, and that's Puerto Rico from the Washington, D.C. pool. And then Osaka, Japan... Over there, they've got Japan, Canada, Belarus and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Can someone just tell me how I'm saying that wrong? But anyway, um, so I've actually got... (laughs) Actually, you got it
0: right that last time. Yeah, you
1: got it right that
2: time.
1: I've I've actually got Japan, Canada and Bosnia going through. And I'd really like Bosnia, um, Herzegovina to go through. Um, So I've got Belarus missing out on that one, which is a bit of a call. But, you know, and then in the other pool, which is... France, China, Nigeria and Mali, well, China's going to be out for revenge and they'll have a lot of hoop under them. They won't have as much international experience, but they'll be training their butts off, as you know, China. Mm -hmm. France is interesting because of the new coach. And I watched them play against that Ukraine and they weren't, they didn't impress me that much, but I know they're going to be great. And uh, Nigeria is just a team on the move. You know, they're at the Olympics and um, who did they beat? They beat someone at, they, they had a big win. Oh, come on, help me people. They, they once again won the Afrikaners against, I think it was like for the fifth time in a row. And their team is pretty much full of players that all play, you know, in high competitions around the world. So they're a good outfit. But I think that obviously Mali to me is the
2: team that won't go through from that pool. Mm-hmm. Mali are someone that are on the rise as well. But I think maybe it's just not their time at the moment. Maybe yeah. in another, another four years or something. Yeah, like next time around.
1: yeah Nigeria is definitely the team... Uh, at the moment out of the Africas, you know. Um, Mm. They're exciting to watch and and they're going to – they had a great battle against France and, you know. I really like Nigeria. I did a little bit of a – I had a look at them um, prior to the Olympics and I was really impressed with how they went about their game. They really evolved. Their coach used to coach – I know him pretty well. He used to coach Chinese Taipei and he's a really good coach with X's and O's but also he's one of those coaches that can get blood from a rock, you know. He can really make the players – Buy into what he's selling, and and they really give a hundred percent, you know. So I'm a rap for Nigeria, and I think they'll be out here in at the World Cup as well.
0: Okay, going back again to the to the Opals for a second. Yeah, I don't want to get into sort of like saying who should and shouldn't make the the squad. I will say the one I was really surprised about not getting into the twenty four was Annalie Mailey.
1: Yeah, right. Well, I can add one to that. And I don't okay. know what's happened, why, but I'm a bit of a rap for Abby Bishop.
2: Mm. Yeah. I Preach really, that, please, Michelle.
1: I was really disappointed. 100%. I don't know what she's done. I was disappointed mm. that uh, she's not in there. Knowing that we're a bit long in the tooth with Tolo and uh, Kayla, and if we needed a bit more experience to help that blend of that youth of Azuko and, uh, you know, those other young bigs coming through, but mm. she's not like the squad. I, I don't know. I just don't. I haven't asked anyone. That might be the first thing I probably need to do. But yeah, she was another one who I think for Anneli, Anneli is evolving as a player, definitely. I think she needs to be able to shoot the ball a little bit better than, you know, she's definitely a board banger, undoubtedly. Oh, yeah. You know, the best in the game. But I think, I think shooting wise, she needs to be able to have more of a perimeter shot, like even from the, the felon extended, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I love everything about Anneli, the way she goes about the game. But. My question mark is on Abby Bishop not being there for me.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. That was the one that stood out for me. And I've been wondering, you know, why Abby hasn't been in previous squads as well. But I think historically there was a minor incident between Abby and BA, which we probably don't need to go into. But it it was really funny because when the squad came out on Monday and obviously, you know, we go to Twitter and have our chats with our internet friends about, squad announcements and stuff and someone like abby was mentioned a lot and also i think a few people are keen to see alex bunton to see how she goes in her return season to the WMBL to try and get in the mix but abby actually tweeted and this and i took a screenshot because i was hoping it'd come in handy um about her admission from the squad and she said it's not you know someone said maybe she didn't accept the invitation to join the squad but she said it's not by my choice I was cut in March 2020 and haven't been back since with a shrugging emoji. So she still wants to play in yeah. the green and gold. Yeah. And by what I've seen in terms of how she's been playing overseas, um, even in the MBL one when she recently came back, and she's already made an impact on the WMBL in the first round. Like, she yeah. would be such a good missing piece between, like you said, between your Tolos who are, as Tolo said in a previous episode, probably on her way out. Yeah. after the next two tournaments for and what a it's
1: been for us you know like mm.
2: just,
1: you know oh, yeah. without tolo and kayla george at those olympics it could have been a hell of a lot worse you know and mm. that was probably well they're getting to the end of their career but thank goodness they were there you know because mm. they saved our bacon i like abby bishop you know she gives you grunt she doesn't mind you know being the aggressor she's a good feeder mm-hmm. she can shoot the rock um defensively, she's all right. So anyway, I mean, we can't change that. But hopefully um, she has a terrific WNBL season and gets back on the radar because it's not long before Paris, you know. I, I think that's why I was a bit disappointed. And um, that's, you know, not, I don't, I'm allowed to have my opinion, so I'm going to have it. But mm-hmm. I think we, yeah. we need to uh, – the WNBL definitely needs to be part of the selection process for the Opals, you know. And that's what disappointed me. I thought that there's some players that had a terrific WNBL and stood up and – Possibly could have been in that Tokyo team. And so, mm-hmm. anyway, having said that, getting that off my chest, there you go. Um, <laughs> I do hope that Abby has a good WNBL season. And um, maybe that might be what is needed to get, you know, she's under the nose again. And they see that maybe there might be value in putting her back in the squad at least. Yeah, yeah.
0: Actually, you, you're reading my mind about the next thing I want to talk about, which is we know that that 24 is their first choice and that could change. How much do you think the WNBL season's potentially going to change that 24 roster? Because if the first three games that we've had so far is anything to go by, I think it's all up for grabs, given some of the performances we've seen so far. Is there potential that some from the 24 may end up dropping out while others come in, based off what happens with the WNBL season?
1: Yeah, you know what? I don't know. Because I would have said yes, like surely that's what you're going to go on, but it didn't happen the year before. So it didn't happen the last WNBL season with the selection, end up selection. Like we had some, you know, Nicholson was super, Charlotte Hill was fabulous, you know, but it didn't translate. So even though there's a squad now, I don't know. I don't know whether that's going to, I hope it does though, because that's what should happen, right? You know, and then you've got to consider are they an international body are they going to, um, you know, be able to play the international styles, which we know is quite varied when you look at our pool? We've got Asian, we've got Brazilian style, which is different. We've got Serbian, which is different again, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I look, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I really hope that the WNBL season really does, you know, make some adjustments to the list. Not because I don't want people in or out, but... If there's players putting in those really spectacular performances, and if we want to have the best possible chance to take a good, solid squad into the World Cup, they've got to be considered.
1: Yeah, well, let's hope. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting much from me there, sorry. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> totally totally <good>. fine.
2: <laughs> Completely understand.
0: There's simply no way we can talk about the Opals and ignore the Opals brand. And what can be done to recapture the essence that has been so key to our past successes? Timsey lays out how to recapture and secure the Opals legacy.
1: But I I tell you what, I know we're not here to talk too much about the WNBL, but it's going to be a cracker. And you know what? It's funny because you know how you get on, because I'm I'm old school. I don't do much Twitter and I definitely don't do Instagram. Just don't know how to operate that thing. Um, So I'm a Facebook person, right? And on Facebook, your memories come up, and I think I had a memory from 2015 popped up and it just said, oh, you know, just what a cracker of a WNBL season. This is going to be the best season yet. And and I feel the same way this year, although the first week didn't give me much hope of that. I thought the standard was not so great, but what do you expect from week one of the WNBL? You know, teams have got to get ready and they've got to get into it. But I really think with the personnel we have, boy, we're looking at something special this year you know the quality of imports especially and, and mm. where our, our Australian players um in that squad are at individually on their you know development it's setting up for may i say it one of the best seasons you know, <laughs> you know it's been said but i really believe it i think it's the best i mean look we've had some terrific imports but before but not so many like we've got so many legit good imports this year so it's exciting and i Does anyone know, is Sammy Whitcomb going to play? Have I missed? Oh,
2: so Sammy Whitcomb, uh, it's really interesting because I like to be a bit of a sleuth on Instagram Mm. uh, and I've definitely noticed that Perth haven't made an official announcement if Sammy's playing or not but there are some group shots where she is hidden from view to show that she's not there, but she is actually there. So if you look oh, are closely, you she sure? is there training. Man, yeah, 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 yeah. Man, so, man, you're <laughs> so, in I mean, person, we, but we you, you actually- <laughs> <laughs> But to be fair, one of our loyal listeners actually brought this to my attention. And then they told me how Sammy was actually signed to play in France. The French club haven't released her yet. She's definitely there. It's just the way she. We um, believe you, Snoop Dogg. She, <laughs> yeah, she's just in there. <laughs> uh, <Dog. on> <laughs> hey, I'm
1: going to throw one at you. Yep. Look, Sammy Whitcomb's a she, she's fabulous and she was fabulous for us at, at the age of Cup, no doubt. But and this is going to get a lot of you know, but I want you to think, okay, if we're rebuilding. Do we take Sammy Whitcomb in the rebuild? If we're looking oh. at trying to develop our Australian players and get get, us, get ourselves on the track of, you know, I mean, what a hell of a player, no doubt. She mm. certainly shot the ball fantastic and was the thing I was impressed with It was her leadership that she brought to that mm. game. Yep. You know. But 100%. if you're looking at the rebuild and where we go from here over the next, you know, six, eight years or even the next four years, or well, how many years is it to the Olympics now? What do we, when's the Olympics? Come on. 2020. Uh, yeah. So, 20. Yeah. yeah. 2024.
2: Yeah. Three years.
1: What do we do? Like, I mean, I think it's a fair discussion to have, like obviously mm. you say, yeah, it's a bit like Leilani Mitchell. Well, to be honest, I'm ready to move on from Leilani and she's been great and helped us out, you know, in that point guard, but I just feel there's so many point guards ready, you know, we need to mm. throw them to the wolves and, and um get them ready to play, get them ready to lead for the next eight, twelve years, you know, maybe mm. six, who knows, you know. Mm. And do we have another Sammy? I don't know, but what do you think? You know, like is it fair enough to even have the discussion that, you know, maybe we don't take or we we bite the bullet and say, right, we're gonna discover ourselves on this journey and and try and see who we are
2: without
1: her uh, i mean you might just set yourself up for major failure but you know how
2: long is she going to be involved how old is she mm-hmm. i think oh, so Le- be- leilani's going to be i'm 35 i'm pretty sure leilani is at least 36 maybe almost 37 and the, it's really interesting you brought this up because during the olympics one of the the biggest debate i think based on social media and based on when paul and i were talking with each other and others was that the lay versus sammy debate and lots of people online were getting pretty heated about how Sammy should have been picked over Leilani. they totally different positions. To- exactly. That was one hundred percent my first. That was one hundred percent my first argument. One is a true point guard. One is an excellent yeah. two. Whereas two my, my
1: question was, should we have blood shoulder <clears> in there?
2: Yeah. So I I am pretty sure, based on what I know, if the Sammy Leilani debate were to occur again going into World Cup, they will be picking Sammy.
1: Yeah, if it's if it's between those two, for sure. It's time to see our Australian young point guards run the show and see what they can do and help them arrive on the international stage.
0: There's a couple of things at play here. The first one is what are we trying to achieve with the World Cup? Are we trying to build yeah. the Opals and to build our, our ability to be able to compete on the international stage? Or are we also trying to build the game of basketball within Australia the women's game because if it's the second one then you want to get the best possible result to be able to get that enthusiasm going at the grassroots level mm. if it's the first then we're basically saying we obviously want the team to do as well as possible but by going with the younger t- younger less experienced team potentially we're not going to get the results that the wider Australian population would expect us to get.
1: Maybe, but isn't it a game of, like, couldn't we sell it? You know, isn't there a degree that you say, look, this is a young team who we need to be patient with, who we need to back. And as long as they they play a brand that we're proud of seeing them play, I can live with that. As long as we see something like we saw at the Asia Cup, I can live with that. I can't live with what I saw. In Tokyo yeah that was uncomfortable disappointing well it wasn't yeah. it didn't come from deep enough for me you know mm. in Opal, a lot of things went wrong for them and there was a lot of uh, excuses that, you know which are fair legitimate enough you know but I just want to see a brand that I recognize and we all recognize as this is who we are this is where we've come from we're blue collar we work our ass off, you know, defense. If there's a ball on the floor, we dive on it. We get up full court. We harass players. We yep. never back down from a fight. I feel if it's if we have that, but maybe it's just me. But you're right, you know,
0: maybe. No, no, no. I, look, I agree with you. Watching the Olympics, there were flashes that yeah. you'd see really amazing stuff happen. Yeah. You'd also see players step up and step out of their usual pattern of play to deliver for the team. One of the ones that really stood out for me was in the Puerto Rico game. Kayla, who, let's be honest, is not someone who backs down from anybody. I certainly haven't seen it. No. She was the one playing peacemaker in that, in that Puerto Rico game when things were getting very heated, which was great for the team. Mm. So there were all those little flashes. But then you go to that Asia Cup series, that team just would not stop. And the thing for me that, That told me exactly how far into it they were was looking at the bench during the game. Yep. And you'd see the way the bench was up. They were cheering on Jade Melvin. She'd come out, she'd do her thing, she'd shoot a few points, she'd go back, and she was up cheering on the rest of the team. That's what we expect from the Opals.
1: Exactly. So, having said that, does that sort of answer your first question, the question about if this or this? You know, like that's what I'm saying is at the world yeah. cup if we just represent that way and you saw how much the public who watched the asia cup the, the talk about that team and they yeah. didn't win. Mm. they didn't win. they didn't win a gold they didn't win silver you know they came third right so mm. and that's at the asia cup which we normally win you know or we come yeah. second but i think people fell in love with the style of play and how that's what it really meant to be the opals you know it's sort of and i think people didn't care about the result as much would have been great mm. to beat. China. Would have been great to beat China, but you know what? But they they played great. Gave it a good crack. They
2: played, they played yeah. the way that Opal should play. For yeah, it was like think... the things that stood out for me. If you put them both, you know, side by side, was that the team that played at Asia Cup they had so much more focus and they had so much more like love and passion for what they were doing, and you could tell that they had the the passion and the drive to play well, not for themselves or the or for Australia, but for each other as well. They just had, tend to have that real camaraderie and unity that seemed a bit tighter with each other that translated on court a lot more. Yeah, than what was and, and you understand, but you understand why that
1: wasn't at the Olympics, right? Like there was a lot oh, of stuff. Oh, yeah, but and yeah, there's too much drama. Chance, these kids got a chance to sit back and see how the Australian public, you know, didn't warm to what happened at the Olympics too. So, but yeah, they mm. were great. They were terrific. I was glued to the screen, and you kind of walked away saying, "Oh." it's going to be a bit dramatic but yeah there's hope you know we can get back there Mm. look these kids Mm. have shown us the way already and and they're not all of them are classified in the top echelon so we can get back there and I think that's where having Sandy back in Australia as as much as we can and and driving that because we all know Sandy's a terrific coach
2: oh yeah and,
1: and I think if she's here she can lead us through to the Paris Olympics and beyond you know we can rebuild she knows what it's what, what it takes to be part of a successful Opals program and she was by my side as we you know won the first medal and then the next medal so she knows about the culture and that and and what needs to happen and hopefully now she doesn't have to manage so much and she can just you know manage players so much and now she can just put it in print on the team as she as she'd like it'd be nice if she could get back here that's all I'm hoping for I mean I haven't spoken to Sandy but you know I'm praying she can spend some time down here and because she's a heck of a coach
2: you mentioned how you and Sandy have you know the lived experience of being some of the most iconic Opals and winning some of our first medals so are you able to tell us a bit of a an insight of what it was like for you and Sandy and the players of that era to build the Opals culture because that essentially in my eyes is the Opals culture that has set the standard and that I hope that other Opals teams would aspire to well, I think I think you're
1: right. I think it has, and you know, I, I just put this a big congratulations to and put it all on Tom Mar. He stepped in in uh, ninety, oh, I was 94, 93, and just started from there. Built the culture. I remember sitting down at the AIS, and we had, I think we were a big a squad of twenty or something then, and there was, a, you know, you've probably heard this story. I've told it a hundred times because it, it was really the birth. Of the Opals in my mind. You know, this is when Ron Barr was playing, Karen Dalton, Paddy Mickam, you know, some of the greats of the game, you know. And anyway, the, the squad was there and uh, and all the coaching staff and all the, not just the coaching staff, the docs, the meds, anyone who's involved in this program or going to be involved in the program in the lead up to the Oz Olymp- 94 the and the Olympics. They sat down in that room and, and we had a huge whiteboard and we said, right, who are we, you know? And we looked at all the teams around the world and we went through each of the teams and, and we wrote down the first thing that came to our mind. So this massive group of about 30 people in this room. And so say we we said America, we said um, arrogant, you know, aggressive, you know, all these things to describe what they meant to us. And so each team around the world that we, you know, the top eight teams or ten teams all had just words, just words on the whiteboard and then as a group, we sat down and um, we got divided up into little groups then. We sort of said, oh, what don't we want? You know, what what's a good thing we want to be like? Who don't we want to be like? This word here, we don't want to be, you know, arrogant. So we you know, crossed that word out. And anyway, and then all the groups came back together and we put the words on the board that we ended up with. And then we worked through all those words and came up with what it really meant was going to mean to us to be an opal. And um, from that came our seven themes. And at every training session that we got together during that WNBL season or whenever we had our camps, we were always tested on what it meant to be an opal, what are those seven themes. And, and you can ask anyone, anyone involved in any of Tomar's programs and they'll be able to rattle off the seven themes of what it means to, or what it takes to be an opal. And, I mean, I can rattle them off now. You know, P is a physical team. We need to be in physically great shape. We need to be able to handle adversity we need to have a defensive mindset. We need to be a we team. We need to be um assertive. Um, we need to be relentlessly persistent and we need to be flexible. And that means that we can run any play, any position on the court. So our bigs need to be able to shoot the three, and our littles need to be able to post, you know, players up and defend big players in the block. So they were our themes, and and I think the relentless persistence and as time went on, the new coaches came in and they they tweaked it to what their philosophy was. And and I'm not sure where we are at today with what themes are left, but Tom Maher and, and that, you know, early days sort of created what it was meant to be and what style of game, like obviously defensively orientated was one of our themes. So we were going to be great defenders, which came easy to us because we were always great defenders because we weren't great offen- offensive players. So, we, <laughs> you know, like so for many years, like when I first made the team in 88 or 86, defensively we were super and we were small, but offensively we struggled a little bit. So defense was kind of a, a no-brainer. We had to make sure that we were one of the best defensive teams in the world. And I think with Tom, um, when he took over, we definitely were. We continued that pattern, and defense was a major focus. Sorry, so there you go. Did I put you to sleep?
0: No, no. <laughs> Absolutely this Not. great. This so that's what it. So, nice. so that's
1: where the themes came from, and, and what it meant to be an Opal, you know, and um, and any player. who who played under Tom Ma would be able to, just like I did then, prattle off what the seven themes were to be an opal. And you know what? Lots of players, good players, took a while to break in because some of those themes they just couldn't get, whether it was the Mm -hmm. weak team or whether it was defensively. You know, that was a huge thing. You had to be able to play deep as well as be as a good offensive player. So a lot of good players took time to break in to the team.
2: The handling adversity and relentless persistence were two that had trickled down all the way. When I used to play uh, ABA and stuff in Canberra and Graffy always used to say, can you handle adversity? So those were the two where I was like, oh, so that's the origins of where they came from because they trickled down all the way to my level where that was a very two very important things that have have been passed down to us.
1: Uh, hugely, and to this day, should still be in there because what happened with the, the Opals during the, the lead-up to the Olympics was all about handling adversity, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So the ability to handle adversity. You know, Liz wasn't able to handle the adversity. You know, she didn't like the bubble. So, you know, that and other reasons she didn't go. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but it, being able to handle adversity is, is massive for any professional athlete. If you can't handle adversity you're not going to truly reach your full potential. Mm. Yeah, absolutely
2: agree.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I think there's a need to strip it all back to basics, you know, get it back to that. And I think one of the things is what we saw at the Asia Cup was a bunch of young players who were really trying to live that. Yeah, and that's what the, i
1: remind reminded me of, yeah. Yeah,
0: and my honest belief is I think Australia would be okay even if we didn't medal, so long as every player that came on that Opals team gave it a hundred percent
1: absolutely they wore their heart on their sleeve you know just have each other's back relentlessly persistent absolutely and get up and play some d <laughs>
2: yeah. <100%.
1: laughs> yeah it's okay. gonna be exciting though like i'm really looking forward to um you know, we've digressed a little bit, but I think it's good to be able to sit down, chew the fat about, you know, what we all want out of the Opals, you know, what, what you guys want, what I want, you know, and it sounds like we're all kind of wanting the same thing, wanting to head down the same path. So I'm looking forward to sitting back and, you know, it's terrible, isn't it? It's easy to sit back and commentate, which is not really fair, But but I'm looking forward to seeing how we go in Belgrade in our tournament. And then obviously the World Cup, like you said, just to have it in, in Sydney is, is huge. It's massive. It's, you know, Oz 94 was the last time. And I know being part of that then, I felt like it really put the game on the map in, in Australia. We had such great support. And talk about handling adversity. i never forget the game. We played our pre-pool in Adelaide. So they had pools all splattered around Australia. And then the winners sort of met in Sydney. And then they did the final eight there. Anyway, we are in Adelaide. And we were looking at it a little bit like what happened at the Olympics if the Opals hadn't have won that game to get them through to the get them out of the qualifiers. We were looking at that in Adelaide, exact same circumstances, and we had to win by a certain number as well. I think it was 15 or 17 or something. And we were playing Italy. The amount of pressure that was was on, because if we hadn't have won that game and not got out of Adelaide and everybody else, you know, the tournament continuing, it just would have been an absolute financial, absolute disaster for Basketball Australia, you know. And so there was all this pressure on us and, um, oh, we went out and we had this massive game, massive blue with Italy, you know. But anyway, we ended up winning. So I totally got the situation that those girls were in at the Tokyo Olympics and the relief they must have felt against Puerto Rico. Yeah. God yeah. Lord. Anyway, I digress again. <laughs> That's go go. To yeah. hours.
0: We're going to go totally off script with questions now which so we go for all sorts of an odd question for each of our guests yeah. <laughs> it's nothing,
2: it's nothing, ser- nothing serious or scaling no, or me. controversial or okay.
0: anything <laughs> no no no, it's not going to be anything like that i suppose it's a way of for the fans to get to know a little bit more about you not you know that's necessary
1: yeah i'm old school if... these people don't even know who i am yeah. i'm like grandma oh, no, and, no, listen, yeah
0: listen I'm, so, I'm sorry i i remember watching you playing in the body suits at the entertainment center when you were when you were suiting up for the flames
2: Uh, me me too yeah (laughs) me too me too that's when i first started playing basketball and we used to go to the flames games and yeah it was great
1: Yeah, that was a good one days Playing before the men, How I I really enjoyed that. I know there's been a bit of a movement, you know, like, oh, women playing their own, you know. But what I missed about that shift was the culture. Like we just had the best time, you know, like back in the day we'd play before, when I played with the Spectres, we'd play before the men and we just were like one big family, you know. You'd, You'd go and catch up for dinner and drinks after the game and you'd watch the men, they'd watch a bit of your game because they were there early and you just had a, anyway, Sorry.
0: I no, I agree. Listen, I agree with you. It was it was great, but I oh. want to know if you could pick a fictional character, any fictional character, book, movie, whatever. Who would you be? Tank girl. Tank girl. Oh, wow!
1: <laughs> what a wow. good choice. <laughs> nah, you know why I say that. I've got no idea really, but I say that because um, I remember that that's what they call me in America. They call me some people oh. started calling me tank
2: right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, all right, no worries, only that crazy interesting. Character. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. That was such a popular thing back in the nineties as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's funny how, how that character and the era of basketball that we were just talking about are like in parallel. Yeah. So that's really know, funny right. that the Americans called you Tank Girl. Yeah. That's awesome, though. I love it that. It wasn't a lot that. of them. It wasn't a
1: lot of them. There was just some, and I thought that was pretty cool because she was pretty cool. She was crazy. She yeah, was but yeah, cool, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I took that. So now we're going to get to see rentals of that movie start to jump again.
1: I doubt it. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And, and as a singer, Annie Lennox was one of my favourites. She had the crew mm. cut and you know, so... I've got to admit, that's how I started my hair going that short, and that was because I just loved Annie Lennox. I was living in Germany mm. and tried to do it over there. It turned out purple, wasn't a good look. It, was short. <laughs> it evolved into blonde finally, and years later.
0: Okay, Timsy, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great. I mean, I've just sort of realized exactly what time it is and I thought wow that went so quick it was so good really appreciate your time thanks for your insights always entertaining <laughs> and look forward to talking to you again sometime before the world cup hits as
2: well
1: undoubtedly can't wait to uh, get back and have a maybe we can get back together and talk about what happened in uh, at the qualification tournament for the world cup mm. in, uh, yeah
0: absolutely February. that'd be great yeah, yeah.
1: That, would, yeah. that would be awesome yeah, yeah. great yeah. idea Thanks for having me, guys. It's okay. been great. I've never felt so—I don't know—just easy to talk to you. So, thanks so much.
0: No worries. Oh, thanks anytime. so much. Shooting the breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.